0: good morning good afternoon and good night wherever you're tuning in we are jonathan and slava bringing you the side quest podcast where we talk about stories literature and character development all the things that are and then we occasionally take side quests because well frankly that's how conversations work so we're here to talk to you today As two literary fans, I don't know, do you consider yourself an expert?
1: No, not in literature.
0: All right, so Slava's an expert, and I'm an amateur. And we are (laughs) here, here to talk to you about a short story. What is it called, Slava?
1: The Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell.
0: Yeah, it's a long title, so sometimes I forget. It is written by Brandon Sanderson. It is a short story, not even technically a novella. It's so short, but it's set. On, I want to say, thread. <laughs> let me start from the beginning. It's set in the Cosmere. And for those who don't know, the Cosmere is a long term project that Brandon Sanderson has been working on. His first published book was in 2005, but he's been working on it since way before that. I'm one of I was going to say I'm one of his biggest fans. That's not true. I'm a big fan. I only say that I'm not one of his biggest fans because I can't remember the name of the title of the book or the planet that it's on. So one of the things about the Cosmere is that it is set in this universe where each series takes place on a different planet. And those planets have different magic systems, but they're all interwoven and connected because they're part of the same universe. That's where we're tuning in today. Slava, this is... Your second Sanderson piece that you—that's right, and that, like
1: I told you the other day, this is two for two for me. Liking it, liking both the first book we read, which was Warbreaker, and uh, this one. I don't think I was a big fan of fantasy when we Mm -hmm. started this project, and then you gave me two fantasy books to read, one of them being Sanderson's Warbreaker, and I enjoyed both the fantasy books and both Sanderson books specifically. I think because the pace of the writing kept me engaged. And then you can call, I guess you can call me a convert now because I will explore other authors and literature as time goes on. Yeah. Irrespective of this project.
0: Slava wasn't super into fantasy before. And I, frankly, we, fantasy as a genre has been on coast mode. And I don't, this is just going to come off as, offensive I want to give it a precursor that finishing any piece of artistic work is really freaking hard I am a filmmaker by trade back in the day I've switched over to marketing at this point but so finishing a feature film even if I watch one that I'm like Meh, it wasn't very good I know how hard it is to make the same thing is uh, the same thing applies to writing books I have tried to write a number of books and have failed miserably each time. So I say this next set of things with the precursor, I have the utmost respect for people who have accomplished writing a book and then publishing it. And that's just even self-publishing, more even more so for people who've been attached to publishing companies, because that's where you can actually make a living. So that preamble leads to some fantasy books are just not good. They've been on coast, like Tolkien is looked at as the grandfather of fantasy for Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, which is great. Lewis, I think can, I would consider him to be part of the fantasy genre with Narnia. Mm-hmm. Not so much his sci-fi series, but also the sci-fi series like that helped push, you know, sci-fi fantasies normally held together as a single genre when you're looking for books in in on the internet. But for a long time, there was just this copy and paste style fantasy, sword and magic, just, hey, this is going on. Hey, there's a dragon. Hey, there's a this, here, there's a that. And it's fun but it's not riveting and I try to only recommend things that are actually of quality because there's no point and you know all the memes I send you there's no point in me sending you memes that aren't actually funny but even then it's like well you can only send so many anyway that's a lot of talking from me what was your preliminary thought because we're gonna do a five episode short mini series here about horror thriller and just kind of like darker pieces so when I gave you that list of here's what I think we should do for our first five episodes what what are your, give me give me a little rant here. You've read Sanderson before with a full novel, so yep. you had some idea of who he was. But when I said, hey, we're going to read something that's more darkish, what were your initial thoughts?
1: Coming into this second reading of Sanderson, liking Sanderson, and for the reasons you just mentioned, because my exposure to fantasy was the dragon and sword and knights of the round table and we transposed into an other world which sometimes is okay, but after a while, it gets stale. And also, I agree, as somebody who's tried to write and wrote as when I was a kid, I tried to write stories and was somewhat successful, I guess, for whatever you can call successes for a kid writing short stories for a class, it's taken me about five years to get through about four pages, five pages, and always refining, and maybe that's my problem. So obviously, if you get a book published, you've done something. But there's good books and bad books. So going in, going into this one, I was excited because I like darker fiction. I like horror. One of my favorite horror books is The Exorcist by Blatty or Blady. I think his name is Blatty. That's how you pronounce it. So I like dark fiction, I like short stories more than I like long novels. So I was excited going into this, and I was I was happy with the outcome. I wasn't surprised that I liked it because I already. New Sanderson, at least Sanderson's pace of writing right. and how his he develops characters and how he, I guess the word is telescopes what might come in um, next couple pages. How he does that, like he builds suspense. Yeah, and he makes you care for the characters.
0: So give us a rundown. What are the characters that we meet? Oh, I shouldn't have to say this, but there will one hundred percent be spoilers in every book that we discuss. Absolutely. Ever deal with it?
1: Yeah, you've been warned. So there are seven characters that are like the main characters. Or both points of view, who we get, right? Well, there's about two characters So from uh, whose point of view we get. But well, the story is set on one of two continents on a planet in the Cosmere. It's a dark continent. People who live here, I heard a podcast. I listened to a couple podcasts discussing this book too. One of them said that this is the wild west frontier of this planet. Look it's you hard you achieving. Yeah, I try. But we're not going to read, I'm not going to repeat what they said because I think they took it a different way than what we're going to talk about. But anyway, one of the things that I did find interesting is that they described this continent Continent is the frontier of this planet. People have ran away there or they're pushed there. And these people live a harsh life, a dark mm-hmm. life. It's a difficult life.
0: It certainly so, looks that way when they're like, when she's talking about the fact that the only safe place out here is her inn, you know?
1: Yeah, right. So you have the protagonist whose name is Silence Montaigne, and she's the owner of this waypoint or this inn. And we quickly find out that she is also. She's also a bounty hunter. Everybody assumes it's a man. It's actually this woman who runs an inn in the middle of the forest. We have her daughter, William Ann, which is an interesting name. but William in Montaigne. We have another daughter, I guess an adopted daughter, that a silence has whose name I forget. Sibruki. Sibruki, that's right. Yep. And uh, a tax collector. We have two drinkers in the in the inn, and they talk and you get bits and pieces of a story through their dialogue. And that's all I remember right now then there's a bad guy named Chesterton who ends up dying an unpleasant death.
0: Right. So there's technically 10 people or like 10 characters because it's a short story that we meet overall. Some of them have very minor parts like Dob at the end. Like you, yeah. he gets mentioned as a as the stable boy somewhere near the beginning and then has a minor role or major role, depending on how you want to count it at the end. So a like minor character
1: that does a major thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Silence's grandmother. Right. Who pops up at the end as a shade. Did I say that right? Shade.
1: Yeah, as a shade. That I wasn't expecting. Right. Like, Isn't a... that fun? That I is great.
0: It. she's got this monologue because we're mostly following silence's thought process and her feelings on everything and she talks about things that her grandmother taught her and whatever and then at the end she her grandmother has been made a shade and she's kept her in this closet so like how did you tell me how you thought she was going to get out of that situation before that happened see I was
1: going into it it brings us to remember we decided three interesting things about the story one of the things I found very interesting about the story is that the heroes live right there and they survive pretty well it wasn't like they don't come on come out unscathed but yeah they win the good guy wins here Mm -hmm. so what i found interesting was that but it go as i was reading i'm like somebody's gonna die there is gonna be (laughs) a, a death and it's gonna be horrible and sad and so i was just waiting for something to happen whether she was going to kill the tax collector or try a sleight of hand and somehow the tax collector collector was get the one up on silence, defeat silence. And then the story ends with Subrooky and William Ann somehow trapped or in his debt. The debt will transfer over. So I didn't think she was going to get out of anything. I thought she was going to do something drastic as she as she did on the uh, in the forest it turns out it was just a grandma in the closet yeah
0: so i'm looking at the copper mind which is like a very big sanderson wiki that the real fans contribute to and shades are vaguely based on jewish tradition Do you have any thoughts on that? I heard
1: that as I was perusing a few different podcasts. So somebody mentioned that. I don't have any thoughts on that because I was confused as to where they made the connection. Is it to the Sabbath rules or something like kindling fire? I don't see a direct correlation because, well, let's explain to the folks like, so the shades will attack. They're, all, they're always in the forest. They have green eyes. They're these almost almost immaterial beings, but yet they can interact with the material world at times. Like they can grab you and touching them shrivels up your skin and kills you eventually. But the three, three things that throw them into a rage is drawn of blood, the kindling of fire. What else? What was the third one that I-
0: Fire, Blood, and oh man, I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember the third one. So this is why I pause. This is why I pause where I'm like, I'm his biggest fan. No, that's not true. I'm, I 100%, I regularly think about this because I've had, had people be like, oh wow, you seem like such a big fan. And I go, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan boy where like I haven't put the work in to, I haven't gone to any of his conferences, but I did just buy a couple pins for my leather, not leather jacket, my denim jacket to put that are only given out the, at the conference. So so I'm so a, a, fan a fan fan. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's just you're like. A tourist. <laughs> um, I don't have an answer to your question, but back to the Jewish mythology thing where yeah, yeah, like jades you know. are spirits or demons in the Tanakh. They're through the Shadim, And so like Sanderson's not, he he's smart. He takes something that exists in the world that has been developed over centuries or millennia and makes it his own, right? So the shade mythology of a spirit from the underworld coming back and like roaming the earth, that's not new. That's not unique necessarily, but his take on it with them being set into a rage by blood Fire or did you look it up?
1: I'm looking it up. Okay. Yeah. So, do not kindle a flame. Do not shed blood of another, and do not run during the night. So I can see. I know a little bit about Jewish uh, theology and mythology. I can see where he draws it from, and it's not like a direct here. Rules in this Jewish book of mythology or Jewish book of theology, Jewish mysticism, mysticism. Yeah. So, do not kindle a flame. That's a Sabbath rule. Uh, you should not kindle a flame on the Sabbath because it's considered work. Do not shed the blood of another. That's from the Ten Commandments. Do not run at night. That's probably from the Proverbs or could be work works.
0: as well on Sabbath. Yeah,
1: like you no working like, on Sabbath. Do not travel during the Sabbath. Do not do anything extraneous during the Sabbath. So mm. I think I'm not a expert on Jewish mysticism but I can pinpoint where but you play one on TV? I do sometimes but I can pinpoint <laughs> where Sanderson drew from. Maybe he's less of an expert on Jewish mysticism than we are and that's nothing wrong with that but I can tell probably where he pulled these out. So that's right. interesting, that's, yeah. and I like it when authors do that because then you're—it's easier to immerse yourself in the story. It's not a completely other world. Sometimes it is, right? And that—that—that that, that shows Sanderson's ability to craft a good story and to craft a good world.
0: Right. So, yeah. Sorry, did you have a final? No, post- no that's it. I'm going to move on to the, I'm going to shift to a topic that Sanderson fans and specifically Cosmere people will, um, well, they, they should know about. So in the book, there is this mention of the God beyond. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. This is actually the most notable story that Sanderson has written that focuses on the God beyond. So a little more about the Cosmere, the Cosmere It one of the main narratives that's woven throughout all of his series is this general God named. Adenalsium, who was shattered into 16 pieces, which then became shards. And the shards are what become gods on the different planets. However, and I was having this conversation with my friend who is a Sandersonite, Cosmirite, Cosmerian. We're gonna have to come up with a word for this. See, this is why I'm not like the biggest fan. There, there are things that I just indulge in the fantasy that is Sanderson, where he had mentioned, "Oh yeah, the God of Beyond," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" This is like two months ago because Sanderson, in November, released *The Lost Metal*, which is the fourth book of *Mistborn* Era Two. So *Mistborn* was going to be a trilogy of trilogies, but now it's evolved into something a little bit bigger. But in we were talking about it, book four, because one of the characters, Wayne, mentions the God Beyond, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the God Beyond." And I was like, what are you talking about? So I had to go look it up. But The God Beyond is actually mentioned in a variety of books that Sanderson has written as like this little piece. And Sanderson's really smart. He drops these one-liners that he'll connect in a different book. Mm -hmm. as he's been planning this stuff out for ages, which is why the books feel so real. The books feel so well thought out. They feel the characters feel notable. But I was actually texting my friend while I was going through this. And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, God Beyond is mentioned like a dozen times in this short story. And one thing that I want to note is that the grandmother who's trapped in the closet, the line goes, the closet was covered by three sets of silver because the shades are also like averse to silver, but it was only covered by three sides. The closet was covered by three sides and the closet also had a shrine to the god beyond in it. And so the presumption here, at least on my part, is that the fourth wall is the god beyond, but the grandmother just willfully goes back in. And we don't know anything about the god beyond. We don't know that the god beyond is a shard because each shard has like a word as a little additional note here. So you read Warbreaker, And the shard that is living on it and the power, the god of Warbreaker is endowment. So that's the shard. Sometimes the shards actually get character time in these books. A book that I really want us to get into, but it's a strong commitment, but it's definitely worth it, is the Stormlight Archives. And... actually just picked up the paper book copy because my girlfriend's starting to read it because this is what I do is I date these women and then make them read these thick. They think they're thick, but these books are actually really thick, yeah. double C's. I make them well read played. Well played. Thank you. <laughs> these thick <laughs> fantasy novels. in Endowment. But the character time, sorry, that happens on the Stormlight Archives is passion and cultivation and honor have time as characters in this narrative. And so the God Beyond is just curious because we don't really know a lot about the God Beyond. There's a character who's a world hopper named Hoyd who refers to the God Beyond in a parable when he's talking to one of the characters. Uh, But it's just an interesting fact that happens in this book that as a Cosmere person, it's notable, but there's no real conclusions that can be drawn at the moment, far as I'm aware. And Sanderson has this thing where whenever he gives talks, someone will ask a question, and if he either hasn't decided on what the outcome will be, or he doesn't want to ruin anything, or he simply doesn't want to give the answer, he'll say "Rafo," which means "read and find out." So he's just always driving people back to the book.
1: Right. So the yeah, the God Beyond here on Coppermine is uh, he's described as the unknown God that is worshipped on multiple planets in the Cosmere. It is a belief in a greater God of the universe beyond the entities known as the shards. So this is like the God of gods. It right, in some way in the Cosmere, which is right. interesting because drawing from the real world, as you mentioned earlier, this is drawing from Mormon theology and Sanderson is part of the LDS church and their belief system is that the, there are gods out there of planets, and then there is the God of the Bible that rules them all, and that's an oversimplification of Mormon theology. So don't at me in the comments. But basically, but you should at him anyway. Basically, if you asked a Mormon who knows their theology, they would say that's a starting point. So that you're correct. So. It's it, interesting to see where he takes it as I will continue reading Sanderson again outside of this project or for this project. I'd be interested to see where he goes. And this is me two books in, so I'm sure a Sandersonites, as you call them, would probably be able to give me a rundown on where he's mentioned, how he's mentioned, where else he pops up in the stories. But so yeah,
0: more on that, more on that when I get you to commit to reading the Stormlight Archives. Some people, so there's this argument that folks who read the Cosmere sometimes have, which is where do you start when you're trying to pull someone in? Which book do you start them on? I started on Warbreaker. I think it's it's it shows his writing has evolved enough because it was released in 2007 or 2008. It shows that his writing has evolved enough and it's interesting enough to provoke questions. It's also, in my opinion, the most Fun and inclusive is not the word. Inviting prologue. Because the first line, and I always remember this because it just has always stuck out to me, is, it's funny, Vasher thought, how many things begin with him getting thrown into prison? That's it. That's the opening line. And you go, excuse me? Like, I have a lot of questions. It's one line. It's one line. But, and Sanderson probably would, he, he's a pretty humble guy, which I appreciate. But it's one of the things I love about Tolkien is Tolkien was so enamored by the world that he built that single lines that are just alluding to something like the Witch King of Endor. One little comment about the Witch King of Endor over in the mountains, and then the story continues on. And like, we don't talk about it ever again. It's like, okay, I know game, and that's not nothing. That's something. So, the fact that he can start a line where it's like, it's funny, Vashar thought. How many things start with me being thrown into prison? And it's okay, so tell me about the history here. Because the character clearly has been around for a while, long enough to get thrown into prison more than once, and long enough to be thrown into prison enough to for it to be a pat. And so it just it provokes you to be like, tell me more about this character.
1: Yeah, And that's one thing I appreciate about Sanderson and other authors. If you can read, not every book is gonna be this way, but if you can read like the first page. Even if that's just in a small paperback marketplace edition, like it's like the first hundred words, let's say, you can be like, oh, okay. And it makes you want to read the next page on the next page or after the prologue, you're like, oh crap, I do want to l- read the rest of the page. And it's usually a line or two that evokes that. It's not like you read the first three chapters and this could be it for somebody, but you read the first three chapters and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I can stick with this. I enjoy books where there's like a line in the prologue or a line in the first chapter very early on. They just kind of... Is the hook and just something clicks and you're gonna want to finish this book?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's dive back into the story itself because we've gone on, as we say, a couple side quests here. Yeah. Okay. So in the off-screen talking that we had, you also mentioned the cognitive abilities of the shards. So tell me what your thoughts are about that and how that relates to the forests of hell and Silence Montaigne, which is just a really good good name, anyway. Yeah,
1: and even, even the title. Maybe we can touch on that a little bit later, but sil- Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell. It's an interesting, I think, a way of t- really tying the title to the story.
0: Let's just talk about that now then, because I am just now realizing that. This is why I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan. So That's I'm what... a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan, but I was like, oh. Yeah, no, it's literally just staring me in the face, and uh, yeah. So, what other things have I missed, Slava? Please enlighten me, because clearly I'm ignorant well, and blind. Well,
1: shadows, I guess, are uh, could be taken in a couple ways, but they're the shades. And her and,
0: history with her grandmother.
1: Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's interesting. Shadows. Yeah, because her past. grandma didn't get along. There's a lot of tough love there, and she hates and loves her grandma at the same time which i can relate to not the grandma thing but i've had people in my life family members who are just complete asshats like <laughs> the, uh, out, outright haven't we all horrible people right like in power and authority over me i'm thinking of a particular person and his influence on me really guided some of my music tastes some of my literature tastes i can fully admit that, but overall, can I say me and this person had a good relationship? Not at all. He treated me like absolute garbage most of the time. And the time that he did treat me well or imbued upon me some sort of wisdom or help or offered me some help that made me a better person, that wasn't out of any feelings of commitment or whatever. To me, personally, it was just it was my duty as a human being to slap some sense into this into this person. And it worked, right? It's, I can't take that away from me, but I can understand the characters. Wow. If it wasn't for this person, I'd probably be a, in, in, in not a, such a good place. I'd be in a worse off place than or I am de- now. Or like, dead. Like, really. Yeah. Given my childhood, I could have been dead. But at the same time, he treated me like garbage uh, sure. oftentimes. So I understand how silence feels. And so getting back to the story, yeah, there's shadows there in that relationship. If it wasn't for her grandma, Silence wouldn't know half of the stuff that she, she wouldn't have survived. She, she wouldn't have, have survived. survived. Yeah. And even the fact that the grandma as a shard still sticks around, like she willingly goes back in the closet where she's kept for years, probably decades or at least one decade. If I'm reading the story correctly, she would have been dead right around the time that William Ann was born or shortly after. Because we don't get a sense from William yeah, Ann that she remembers. Yeah, the a little bit... Uh... Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a little obscure.
1: Right. I don't get the sense from William Mann that she knew her grandma, for her great-grandma, because of the silence's grandma, right? True, true. Yeah. Yeah, We
0: don't don't have any info on silence's parents.
1: Because they died and grandma took her in. Right. Yeah. So- what were we talking about? We kind of, we went on a psych was for sure. What was so your question? I had asked
0: you about the shards. Right. One quick correction. You'd mentioned that the grandma was a shard, but she's actually a shade, but it's just like a word. Like they're very close. Oh words. goodness. Yes. Yes. Shades. Uh,
1: we're talking about shades. Yeah. So Cosmere
0: boys will be in the comments. Or oh also goodness. The Cosmere folks will be in the comments. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the shades. So what I found interesting about them or what I wanted to learn more about them, I found them interesting as a, as an entity. But what I wanted to know more is what are their cognitive abilities? How do they know what's around them besides... Because they fly into rages, right? So there's this entity that are... Oh, the shades.
0: The shades, not the shards.
1: Oh, goodness gracious. Yes, the shades. The shades in the forest that go apoplectic if you spill blood or light a fire or walk faster than two miles an hour.
0: Yeah. Okay, tell... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Shades. I really thought you were going to talk about the Shards because the Shards are so prevalent in the Cosmere. I was like, oh, he probably did some research and has thoughts on what the Shards' relevance, even though there's no Shard on this particular planet. So I'm a little disappointed right now that you um, actually me- met the Shades and it's just <laughs> been, like, that the words are similar and so you've made a mistake. I made a uh, mistake. So I'm a little bit let down here, and I'll take that out on you later when we're off camera. But, so, yes, the Shades. They have some sort of sentience right yeah they have some sort of so do you know about investiture
1: in my research my exploration of the copper mind and other podcasts that have talked about brandon sanderson and the cosmere i've heard it mentioned and even explained in bits and pieces but not enough to speak to it in confidence
0: okay so the cosmere is made up of three realms the physical realm the cognitive realm and the spiritual realm and when we get to the Stormlight Archives, because we are going to get to the Stormlight Archives, it's a full commitment, but uh, you will not regret it. And I would stake money on that. I stake $100 yeah, on this or a nice bottle of whiskey. Right. Nice bottle. There whiskey. you go. Um. Side note, you still owe me one Uh, from ages. Oh, ago. that's right. You or, do. Uh... Yeah. 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 It's on record. You guys heard it first. He still yeah. owes me a bottle of whiskey. Anyway, so I will stick a bottle of whiskey. It so I just absolutely- call it a wash.
1: If we make it through this. Stormlight icon. No, 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 no. make yes, it mean, <laughs> through
0: the Stormlight archives, and you don't like. I owe you a bottle of whiskey. Okay, but the gift giving also matters, bruh. Like
1: this is true, and it's keeping your word
0: also matters. Awesome. Uh, yeah, one yeah. of my highest values is personal responsibility and keeping your word. So anyway, the cosmos is made up of the physical realm, the cognitive realm, and the spiritual realm, and you see that more prevalently in Stormlight archives. Um, that's what I'll say about that. But what most likely is happening with the Shades, because I've read other Cosmere books, is they have to have some sort of investiture, which is this energy that, this is not a great way to say it, this energy that comes over from the spirit realm. I'm, so this is another reason why I'm like not the biggest. How do I explain investiture to someone who doesn't know investiture? The Cosmere has laws and some of the laws are this magical essence called investiture. It's an energy, it's a mass, um, which is why each planet has a different manifestation of the investiture. So like on Warbreaker, part of the investiture is the gods, the returned gods, right? Require investiture to be returned. That example given, the Shades must be tapping into some sort of investiture on Threnody, the planet, even though... It's not currently connected to Shadesmar, which is the spirit realm. And I only say that because of extra reading that we know of where Threnody doesn't have an oath gate, which lets you get to, which lets you easily get to Shadesmar. Like you can actually just get to Shadesmar through other means, but the easier way is through an oath gate or a gateway of sorts, a perpendicularity. Sorry, I took over the conversation. Your thoughts on the shades? You wanted to know more about them.
1: Yeah, because what I found interesting is obviously shades, demons—they're spiritual, immaterial entities. Or as I started reading the story, that's an impression I got. And I'm like, okay, so these shades are immaterial, spiritual beings. They're obviously aware of their environment. They're obviously they can sense blood feet away, miles away, maybe even, and they they are in tune with their environment. And then you have this moment with William Ann falls through a shade. She's pushed through a shade by uh, one of the four people, red. But at the same time, there's a shade that grabs the elbow of of silence in one of the little skirmishes they have. So my curiosity stems like, all right, so either material or material can, how they interact with the physical world and their cognitive abilities, specifically more details on how they can sense blood being spilled. Whether it's two feet away or a hundred yards away, somehow Mm -hmm. one shard Senses the blood, but all the other shards sense it too, right? So, the, how they interact with each other and how they're able to, because if you strike a fire, fine, now there's a fire over there. Yeah. If you hear somebody running or see somebody running, okay, I understand a shard can see that. Goodness, again, shard, shade, shade, shade. I understand a shade can see that. But how do they sense blood being spilled if they're not, and then like looking at the people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then again, you get the feeling that they're always around. In the forest, and there's many of them.
0: Yeah, the references to and they had I don't remember the exact sayings, but it's like green eyes, red eyes, run, red eyes, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because you're you're more of a deep thinker. It's one of our one of the reasons one of the things we connect with for our friendship. And it's like there's a lot of presuppositional logic that takes place in world building of shades exist. Here's how they function. Here's how we've seen them function. Is that everything that a shade is? No. We also see a shade at the end of the story that has additional cognition with the grandmother, right? Right. Like, so she uses control,
1: mm-hmm. and that's what prompted my thought. Because obviously, when you before you get to that, it's obvious to the reader, or at least it was to me. I'm like, okay. Spiritual beings, demons—I could go without knowing exactly how they sense the blood and stuff like that. I, you don't have to explain it to me for me to enjoy the story. But when you get to that place where the grandma chooses to be in the closet, chooses to stay there for probably a decade at least, and yeah. knows who Silence is, presumably, right, protects Silence and is able to again either touch somebody or let them fall through them, as we saw with the two little skirmishes before we meet the grandma. So there's this—it's a complex creature for lack of a better term. And uh, I like the mystery of not knowing, but at the same time, the other side of me is I want to know how these shades are able to grab people and be completely immaterial.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because they have to become corporeal.
1: They don't really have to, right? You can, as an immaterial thing, you can envelop somebody and that could be a holding of sorts.
0: That's an option. Another option is that because of the principles of threnody, like the natural laws of threnody, like, it's possible that their hold is like a gravitational, like, handcuff yeah. of sort of, sort of, like, yeah, it, it could point. be a lot of things. And frankly, we're probably overthinking it, but <laughs> that's, that's why we're here. It's the whole point we're here. <laughs> the yeah. side quest. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into that.
1: See, so you saw, I listened to the book as I drove into work and it's about an hour on a good day. It's about an hour to drive into work. And where I drive, it's actually just a clear shot because, you know, I take the express lanes in and think I'm the only fool in my, in my area that takes the express lanes because you see hundreds of cars backed up for hours. And I'm the idiot that pays 25 bucks to get there in, in an hour instead of two and a half. So I hit the express lane and I'm able to listen to these things and I'm constantly thinking through what's going on in the world. Yep. That's why I had to listen to this thing twice for me to, to and a really couple get additional it. podcasts. Yeah. And some additional podcasts. But uh that's where most of my overthinking happened or a lot of my thinking happened when I was listening is who these shades are. Because obviously if a shade gets you, you turn into a shade. Yep. It's it, maybe it's not obvious, but that's it was obvious to me at least. And because there are descriptions of the bodies that the shades eat or destroy or kill that are turned into oblivion. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's one way a shade can kill. Does that mean there's a second way a shade can kill where it turns you into a shade? Or once your body is destroyed, withered up, whatever the shade does to you, does your spirit become a shade? Right. So that gets
0: into the spirit realm, which is why we need to read the Stormlight Archives because we don't get into the spirit realm. How do I... There's just so many here. Sanderson's 20 books deep, bro. So for the Cosmere as a whole... He just came out with another one January 1st because he's got four secret novels that are coming out this year, three of which are Cosmere related. And I just finished the first one. And it's more like a kind of a kid's fairy tale princess bride type thing. But we don't really see the spirit realm except for some short stories which are tied into an anthology called the Unbounded Arcanum, which is like stories from each of the different planets, just kind of like hodgepodge stories that he wanted to write. But there are these, your spirit dissociates from your body when you die. And we get to see some of that in the background of a few different books. But it is curious that the shades still remain on Threnody after the fact. So definitely some questions there that we'll hopefully one day learn answers to because he's not working on that as a, a book at the moment, even though he's talked about wanting to. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we've been jabbering on, unless you have some final thoughts.
1: Just a quick final thought. Okay. Maybe I've said this earlier in this podcast, but definitely said it to you leading up to the podcast is I prefer short stories both reading and writing and for a lot of reasons but I like this one I thought it ended well because I don't need every story to have a happy ending and put a nice bow on it because who cares That's not how life works It's right? not how life works and I'm okay with everybody dying like all the good guys die in the book it's okay because if the story takes you that way, that's fine. Or what I appreciate about Stephen King in a couple of lectures that I've seen by him, people asking where do you get your ideas or how do you decide to finish, and uh, he just des- he describes it. He, I'm going to not do it any justice, but he goes, "Story takes you right." It's now no, it's- at some point as a writer, you understand. Loretta, I created this world. I created these characters based on those presuppositions, internal presuppositions of the world and the story and the characters themselves. There is. Nothing to do but to kill off this character. There's nothing to do for this hero but to sacrifice him or herself for the greater good. There's nothing that can happen in this little uh, snippet of this world that I created that evil wins, right? It just happens. And I'm okay with a, a story that has a bleak ending. But once in a while, you want the good guys to win, right? No,
0: right, right. Because, and I think this goes across all cultures and peoples and time groups, but every story and mythos that we tell at some point needs to have the good guys win. Like, as, yeah. the, story, as the story goes long enough, Norse mythology, Odin loses an eye, okay? If the story stops there, you go, eh, that's a bummer. But the story keeps going on and eventually becomes wise and et cetera, et cetera, is like, and he ascends. Same thing. Horus, right? Like Horus loses an eye. Uh, same thing. You stop the story there. Like, oh, well, that's a bummer. Like he kind of sacrificed it for his dad, but okay, yeah. or something. But yeah. the hero eventually has to win. That said, we read The Name of the Wind last year sometime. Mm-hmm. And I think that people forget because we're still waiting for book three. This is my final thought. Speaking about stories that don't have good endings, the story starts, for those who haven't read Name of the Wind, The story starts with a wonderful opener about the three silences and the way Stone End, and it talks about the cut flower sound of a man who's patiently waiting to die. So that's the opener. It's also the closer of every book. But the story takes place in two time frames. Present day, where our main character is a washed up, forgotten legend who lives in a podunk town running an inn. And then he's regaling us with all of his life story that led to him becoming a legend. But the thing is, it's not a s it's not a happy story. Mm. We know the ending. The ending is staring us in the face and I feel like people forget this. The adventure that happens in the middle part is interesting. The journey is more interesting than the destination. We know the destination. It's like when you go see Titanic. You know the boat's gonna sink unless you're born pre, you know, nineteen fourteen or whatever. I don't remember what year it was, but if you know. No. The point is like, you know, the ending when you're going in and and we love that sometimes. Have I got a story for you, which is the Stormlight Archives, because there is harsh realities that take place in the Stormlight Archives that are very human. They're very dark. And Sanderson did a lot of research in his beta readers when he asked people with actual mental illnesses to read his book and give him insights on how to better write his characters. And I'll just leave that at that. Thanks for coming to listen to SideQuest today. Everybody stay tuned. We are going to be going through another four episodes of darker pieces, short stories. We're looking at H.P. Lovecraft at some point, Stephen King, Neil Gaiman, and Edgar Allan Poe. Some Neil of- Gaiman. Yeah, well.
1: Neil Diamond. We can play Neil Diamond in the background. As I we think talk. we'll
0: get sued for that, even though we're nobody's
1: We're probably going to get sued. So, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, Neil Gaiman, and Edgar Allan Poe. No particular order. We'll figure it out. Maybe in that order, actually. We'll make uh, I'm reading off our list and it's in that order.
0: Okay. Well, spoiler alert.
1: Spoiler alert, yeah. I don't mind spoiling
0: uh, books, but I don't want to spoil our master plan. Well, now we're gonna have go to, to re- the world.
1: redo the order in which we do it.
0: I'm looking forward to Lovecraft. I really Me too. really liked his style. The the Gothic writings are very different. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for us today. Thanks for joining us on SideQuest.